hello, it's uh, me, Gennady Mikhailov uh, from uh, Limbit, and I'm here to talk with Philip Reisner, the CEO of Limbit. And we're here today to understand more about what it really means to run a software company and to be in charge of a lot of people, processes, responsibilities. We're going to learn very soon more about it. So hello, Philip, how are you today? Thank you. <laughs> I am very good. All right. All right. So um, can you tell us more about yourself? I mean, you work with computers, but where did uh, this uh, interest originally came from? Well, um, that goes long back. So it, in, in a way, I'm, I'm just a, a, a computer nerd. I, I'm interested in working with computers. You know, when I was an eight-year-old child, my, my dad bought a Commodore C64 home right. computer. What year was that? Um, Oh, I, I I was six or eight years old, something about that. So, okay. I, um, and and back then, you, you know, it it was all shiny. You know, this blue screen and the keyboard you can type in, and it appears on your television set. So I I started to to read the the book that came with the thing. Yes, you can you can start again just from the part with the Kuba. So you had the Kubator 64, right? Yeah. Okay. So this is uh, just uh, just to explain. That's a small computer, very simple one. One of the first uh, personal computers you can have, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so I started to to read the manual book that came with it and. You know, I typed these little programs into it and was happy that it was printing my name 10 times. <laughs> so th this is really how it began as as child. And so I, I got fascinated by it. Um, and that uh, um, that fascination stayed. And then, you know, I did my my school school education and then I did my uh, uh, I studied well I need to explain my, my first part of school education they are specified in uh, uh, electronics and then when I was time to go to university I uh, decided for computer science and yeah that was the right thing for me so I studied computer science I finished that and after that, well, I was a software engineer and developer and all that, and was already fascinated by open source. And maybe I need to add, um, when learning all that, I was fascinated by these server systems and Unix, and it was not uh, available to me. Uh, you know, I was not able to run it at on home or could only access it on the servers at university. And then, then there was Linux available. And that was a game changer. Right. Because Linux gave me this all that at my fingertips. So um, why did you choo choose to go the open source way instead of going down the more economically profitable way? I mean, what, uh, what drawn you to the open source world? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's probably that you know, my, my background is this 
technical engineering, right? I, I, I was not on the business school, right? <laughs> um, and I was so fascinated by it because open source gave me access to this real operating system and I could work with the same tools to use on the real servers. <laughs> Hmm. Um, and during, during my studies, um, or at, at the end of that, you have to do a, a diploma thesis. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, I was looking for a topic for that. So I was visiting all the institutes, part of the university, and they have this window where they display interesting topics. And there was one, I read one that stick like a second um, to me, it was like mirror hard disks over the network. Yeah. And a second later thought, well, that's boring. <laughs> and then when I, 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 I rode home on the bus, I, I thought about it and said, maybe there's more to it. And then I, I researched that field and I found out that it is about high availability, that this is a term in the industry and that it is well for the important servers and the important workloads, you need to have that. And so this is how it all started. So this is how the, I came to the idea to work on DVD. All right, all right. So this is where it all started. So how exactly did you uh, continue on with the idea of DRBD? Where exactly did this came from exactly? Yeah, yeah, then I, I started to work on my diploma thesis to, to graduate from university. And my idea was I will work on that for, for one year and then it's finished. Then I, I write my text, it goes to the library, it sits there forever and I'm done with it. I will do something else. Like we all do when we do our master's thesis, all right? Yeah. Right. But while doing so and while uh, uh, um, publishing it on the internet for the first time, there came feedback. You know, there were people from all over the world starting to use it, writing me emails. There was someone from Brazil and, <laughs> and I began to interview for a job there. And my idea was I migrate to Brazil, you know, I'm living in Austria. So that's, uh, that was like an exotic idea. And I wanted to do something after I, I graduated from university. But you know, everything came different. I didn't move to Brazil. Um, <laughs> um, I worked for a few years here at another uh, local company in Vienna, but the open source product, project DVD, it sticks to me. And then came the time when it became so important that we had to start our own company. So you had uh, worked in several companies during that time and DRBD was kind of your side project. Yeah. Right. Okay. Then, then I then I I started to to talk with with a few people that became then the founders of Linbit and we, we started with the idea why don't we do this on our own? Right. <laughs> so and we were meeting to do sports and talked about the idea. And then we started to write down the plans and the first business plan was created. And, you know, it was all this talking behind the scenes about this idea. And then something happened. 
one of one of the five guys uh, uh, wrote an email to the others, and he did a mistake. The mail got to the CEO of the company where we were working at. Right. So our plan was suddenly unveiled. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and uh, he the the guy was not amused, and okay. he all asked us to visit him in his his office and fired one of one of them and and then it was time for us to say okay are we going to do it and we said yes we do it okay and it it was it was a strange experience for me because in that was in the year 2001 and if you remember in that year there was this attack on the world trade center we all remember we all remember Uh, and and on that day we had this news on the burning World Trade Center, and we were watching CNN. That was the exact same day where you and were. I I think on the next day, this right. was unveiled. So it was like we were under impression of this big catastrophe happening in New York, and then this, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but after this little strategy, um, we founded the company. And we had to do a lot of, let's say, generic Linux consulting work mm-hmm. at the beginning, um, starting in 2001, and uh, doing HA clusters and DVD was still like, like a, bit, a bit on the side still, because it was not yet enough business to run the whole company of it. Um, and then things changed in 2008. In 2008, we um, split the initial business. Um, so then it became the name it has now. It's Linbit uh, HA Solutions GmbH. And we also formed the office in the United States. And just before we go uh, with, the, with the history, we'll, we'll come back to that. I just want to ask you something very uh, peculiar. Uh, I, I can really see where the push came from, I mean, to, to start a company. I mean, obviously, that was uh, quite, a, quite a strong reaction from your former boss, uh, probably your last boss. Yeah, okay. You, you don't have any other boss since then. But um, because there are probably a lot of people which are developers which are watching this right now, at which particular moment did you start to suspect that um, you had something special in your hands? Okay, because uh, you had your story, you had your thesis, you started to work with your uh, colleagues, but when did you really start to suspect that uh, you can build a company around this DRBD thing? Hmm. I, would, I would say the, the idea, as I realized there is so much echo from, from the community on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and without making this open source and without giving it away and without having all that feedback coming back in, I would never started a company. Um, so, so I think that makes it clear why it was never an option to make this a commercial, like a proprietary closed source offering from the beginning because yeah, but uh, this now makes perfect sense. I mean, this um, this is why you like so much communities. And in a way, um, the community gave you the, the power to make your company and sort of you are now giving back, you know? Is this some kind of a synergy going on there? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, okay. Then I, <clears throat> and then I 
I started to 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 travel to to conferences and there was quite a active scene of open source and Linux conferences in the early 2000s all over Europe. So all these Unix user groups uh, um, uh, uh, changed into Linux user groups and they did their conferences and I was traveling there and giving speeches. And it was really a, a great experience. Sounds like it. Okay, so in 2017, you celebrated the 1 millionth download of DRBD. So what really makes it so appreciated by so many people for such a long time? Um, I think, <laughs> I, 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 I think it because, um, you know, um, Building high availability clusters is important for some services. And then we have all these Linux users and they begin something. And at some point this becomes important and it is a business. And then you need to make your service HA, your web shop or whatever you run or the database behind the web shop. And, and all these people are coming from this, you know, we start with something, we start with Linux. And then you, you need an easy way to build that into a high available, highly available system. And at that time, building highly available systems, or as it was done before, involved a lot of expensive hardware. Mm -hmm. And DVD just gives you the possibility to build that without buying this expensive hardware it's a software approach and that fits very well to Linux. So I think all that connects to how Linux um, got more adoption all over the world. And that goes hand in hand of how DVD was adopted by the users. Well, it seems that it's offering quite a lot of value to smaller companies as well, right? Because they don't have to invest that much. Right, right. Okay. So you, you said quite honestly in the beginning that you're a computer nerd. So <laughs> starting from there, I mean, how are you switching between programming, I mean, software development and business operational tasks as a CEO of a company, which is a serious company? So how do you make that transition between two, these two very different areas? Yeah, that's a, a year-long learning process for me. Um, because as a computer nerd, you don't know how to run a team. Um, and I wasn't aware of that, but I found it out pretty soon. All right. Um, it's, What's, the it's key? Just... What's the key of running a team, for example, of people from your perspective as a programmer? Yeah, it's, it's this. You, you realize when, when you're in a meeting and, and everybody agrees and says, this needs to be done. And then the, the meeting goes away and you meet a week later and you think to yourself, who should it do? Who should do that task? Well, we didn't point out someone, right? Okay. So it's it's these little things. And from from, from that, it was really a, a very long learning experience for me. Also to, to run teams, uh, also to, to care about the business aspects 
the administration, the, the finances, and I have a good team around me that support me with many of those th things. Mm -hmm. um, but um, one needs to lead the whole thing, right? And one needs to lead the whole thing. Like uh, you need to have self-confidence. Is that what you mean? Yeah, and give give the vision, mm -hmm. right? A, 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 a CFO will care for your finances, but he he ha, he doesn't have a vision for for what we should do as a company, what what we want to achieve, and that's one important part. And it also took me some years to understand that I need to clearly uh, express this vision and share it with my colleagues <laughs> and right. my team because initially division exists only in my head <laughs> yeah no i think this is very important what you're saying because a lot of people struggle with that i mean um you have to probably go outside of your comfort zone quite often in in a very serious manner to, to continue that all right yeah so and, and yeah. Also continue continue your education, right? So I, I'm I'm the guy. I'm simply reading books and, and trying to figure out what is relevant of that for my yeah, business it's, life. It's an ongoing process. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what are usually the challenges of managing a company like like Limbit? Okay. What are um, what are the most the challenges which occur more often? And what is usually your approach? Where do you usually come from? I don't know. It's uh, kind of a problem-solving issue. Yeah, I mean, many different types of problems, right? Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> okay, yeah. so the, the challenges. Yeah, what are usually the, um, okay, what are the, when, you, when it comes to challenges, which are the challenges that come to your head uh, which you have managed to solve something that you didn't expect, uh, but you managed to fix it um, in an interesting manner as a as a leader of a company, as a CEO. Yeah. yeah. Do you have something that comes to your head, just as an example? Yeah, I, I would say the the whole topic of leadership. All right. I mean that 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 is very very much connected to my own history because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer from education. Mm -hmm. And so I was never exposed to this whole concept of leadership, how you do that uh, before. So, so that was for sure a challenge for me to learn that and execute that. And but um, is this uh, something you can learn? Because when you say leadership, people think that this is something like you're born with it. Okay. Or it's more or less something that you, you can learn. Because I think a yes. lot of people struggle with that. A lot of people. Yes, there are definitely aspects you can learn about it. Okay. So, like, for example, what you can really improve in yourself to be a better leader. Yeah. So, so it's it's simple aspects like when you do a meeting that you clearly define who is going to do which task, who is in charge of that, that there are notes, mm -hmm. uh, that you agree when when the follow up meeting will be and this is just a little bit of structure but without it so much goes wrong and with that in place <laughs> it improves right. uh, quite a lot so 
and yeah, and the the other challenges, of course, you you need to have you know ever increasing revenue. Um, <laughs> yeah, you finances, have the you have the pressure of always performing on time, hitting targets, right? So, if you if you are missing a target, for example, um, how how do you go about that? I mean, this is probably something that a lot of people kind of struggle. I mean, they say, okay, this this month wasn't so good. So, what do we do? Yeah, you keep on pushing, right? <laughs> there is no <laughs> stay stay up and and run <laughs> okay um, <laughs> uh, that was actually going to be my next question what is inside the mind of a ceo how do you what's your rationale when you're facing a serious problem is that it keep on pushing <laughs> <laughs> yes of course <laughs> there is okay. th there is no hiding i mean i i can i can share a little secret about myself so yeah go ahead <laughs> You know, so when when I know, okay, I need to care about this. I need to care about this conflict, or I need to uh, uh, work on this contract, and and it's all things I I don't like to do because I you know from from where I come from, I like rather like to work on the code and fix a bug because that's more yeah. fun to me, right? Then I set up my own system of 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 benefits from you know, like okay you you work on this contract before lunchtime and then i allow myself to fix a bug in, in the afternoon <laughs> no but this is a very uh this is a very smart way of cheating yourself i mean that's very helpful <laughs> um okay so back to the more software uh thing i mean to to, to the things you really like uh, besides the rbd lint store in 2018 became limbit's other very vital tool right mm -hmm. um so what was the story be, uh behind um lint store's creation <laughs> yeah yeah um you know we we had the rbd and i thought okay it's the best thing in the world why not everybody is using it right and 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 then then other technologies come around. You know, there was Ceph was created and and ClusterFS, and and at that point I realized, okay, it it's not sufficient simply to have DBD out there and ex expect the rest of the world uh, to build the integration to DBD. Um, we need to fill the gap. Because on, on the top of the stack, the stack we are looking here at is our tools to, to build, let's say, a cloud system, infrastructure as a service cloud. So like OpenStack or OpenNable or, um, or Kubernetes, all these workloads orchestrators. And with DOBD, we actually, we only have a building block for building a storage system. And so there's a huge gap in between the two worlds. And with Linstore, we're filling that. So Linstore takes all these parts of the Linux storage stack, like LVM and encryption and rest and T-duplication and replication by DBD and, and many, many more parts. And it is like the glue between them 
controls all them and makes it available to these higher level workload managers. And yeah, it became necessary. Nobody did it before us. Okay. And right now I think it's in pretty good shape. Well, I will agree with that. It's it's going quite well so far. And you again, you 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 outrun me. I mean, you managed to answer a question uh, before I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you um, how exactly Linstore um, um, is becoming more and more known on the market. What's um, how exactly is it? Um, I mean, how is how is it meeting the client's expectation? And is that it? I mean, it's uh, filling the gap between DRBD and uh, what people need to do to integrate it in their services. Yeah. Okay. And and how how we get it out there? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's again you know in my own experience I, I saw it with DBD and and since you know this is the way I know it, so we make it open source. We talk about it conferences and we use in a way we use open source as a let's say marketing tool. All right. And I have to admit, in the meantime. We also have a real marketing as in the sense you throw money at it and there is uh, professional people creating good content and ads and everything that connects to it. But, you know, the first time, the first kind of marketing I, <clears throat> I experienced is the open source community itself. All right, so is this why um... Is this why the, I mean, if Linstore and DRBD are open source, I mean, why should the users choose the subscription services then? I mean, uh, <laughs> what's the benefit yeah. in the subscription services on the other hand? Yeah, um, you, you need to look at the marketplace and at the customers. And, you know, the, the customers coming from, from the top tier, um, they would never ever use something they find on the internet. All right. They need to have a vendor that delivers it to them and that delivers it with the proper support and everything around it. and the training and professional services, it's sometimes called, and, and all that. And this is what we target, right? And open source is for us, it's, it's for the company in, in a way, it's a marketing tool. It's development method mm-hmm. um, but for us the, the number of contributions we get from the outside world um, is still very low so so that's not the real value but and, and an important value for us is also let's say the open source users which are very quick adopters and this way we can have the software in a in a quality um, and have the quality ready when we serve our enterprise customers um, that expect a perfect product all right so but you still have support from the open source world so it's quite a beneficial relationship so to speak absolutely yes okay um then because open source seems to be quite, a, it's an interest of yours and uh, you managed to use it very well for marketing purposes, as you have uh, put it. But um, can you just go just a little bit, why Limbit creates all of these storage solutions? I mean, have you ever had like um, 
a vision statement behind Limbit. Like we're going to make the world a better place. Um, I mean, do you have um, some kind of a deep uh, thinking behind all this or you are following more or less uh, your positive traits of where you are good at, you're, you're good in solving this, this issue? I don't know if you understand where I'm going yeah. with this. Yes, the, 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 there is a mission statement and but you know it, it it was created then to to be a fit what we do with dvd and um and linstore perfectly fits into it and everything we we build around it and you know as as linux really changed the shape of um of the planet when it comes to server operating systems right 20 years ago, it was proprietary Unix and, and Windows uh, coming into it. Today, it's Linux. <laughs> there is only, only mar marginal appearances around it. So open source really changed this place of uh, uh, operating systems. And I think the same needs to happen to storage because there is so much proprietary code in the area of computer storage right it's built into the storage arrays and and also so much proprietary software uh, software defined storage as well and i think this this is going to fail <laughs> it needs to be replaced with open source because in the end open source produces the better products and with having this community uh, um, driving the invention, it, it also creates innovation in a faster pace. So there is no way around it. The question is just, are you driving it? Then you will win. Okay. <laughs> if you're working against it, if you're sitting on your proprietary code, you will lose. And okay. if not this year, then in 10 years. So go with the flow. All right, that's your kind of suggestion to all which are listening right now. Open source is changing the world. Jump on it. Okay, okay. Um, that's a that's an important question because uh, very often when it comes to uh, talking about technology, we talk about releases or uh, going to technical stuff. Um, it is quite rare to hear um, your opinion, for example, as somebody who is the head of the company. What is your vision? What is your vision for the future? And uh, it's. Uh, a lot of people are probably going to be quite happy to hear that from you, that you have such a faith in the open source world. Um, so how is the COVID-19 uh, COVID influencing all that? I mean, uh, the market for um, IT solutions, uh, where do you see the growth and decline and why? I mean, uh, yeah, how can LinStore, DBD and other products provide value in the circumstances that we are all experiencing right now around the world? I mean, do you, do you have some kind of idea for all that? I mean, yeah, I mean, you you can you can see the, the effect if it has on, on our working day. So I'm not in the office; I'm at, at my home. Um, and regarding the marketplace, yeah, um, it drives everything forward. Uh, digital, uh, yeah, everything is becoming digital and online, and with that, it only accelerates what we contribute to with with the software we're doing mm -hmm. um and we see well the 
trends we are seeing, quite an, uh, a number of, of big enterprises, established enterprises in the field are uh, declining um, and the cloud is rising and that's still continuing in, in, the, in the presence of, of COVID. Okay, so right now we, your vision for 2021 is more or less, and beyond COVID-19 is that there is going to be growing demand for such kind of services, more people staying at home, more people using more online services. So the future seems bright for us. Absolutely. Okay. This sounds very well. And um, when it comes to uh, software developments, uh, is there something that you're willing to open the door? I mean, just to tell a little bit more about what you're currently working on or you intend to work on in the future? Do you have such kind of projects going on? We're currently in, in, the, in the phase of releasing a, a new part of it. It's, it has the name DBD Demon. DBD, um, sorry, can you say again? DBD mm -hmm. D. Okay. <laughs> no, it's really hard to pronounce, so it's the Demon. Okay. Um, it's a, it's a, right now it's a very small component. It mm -hmm. will get more features and functions in the future. Um, but what it already does is it is a very lightweight cluster, cluster manager. Mm -hmm. So to, to keep a simple service up and running and we will use it to make the Linstock controller highly available. And it should be released for the first time as of tomorrow. So really now. Okay, so we have a uh, we'll try to release this video as soon as possible so that uh, we, we stay as relevant as possible. <laughs> no problem then. Thank you very much. Just do you have any final words in the end? I mean, Thank, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We are Keep all open source moving ah. forward. <laughs> We're all working from home right now, and uh, we see that you're also with us on the same boat. So thank you very much for your time, Philip. And yeah, see you again soon. Thank you for having me. <laughs>